So tonight, if you've been following the show since the very start, you know that we were formerly known as the Barely Hibernating Podcast, rebranded to Fireside Bears. About a year and a half ago when Sam and I kind of started this entire venture, it was only supposed to be me and him. We've had countless other friends and guests join us along the way, but tonight, guys, it's going to be just me and Sam. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears Podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow my Myself and Sam on Twitter at Usaid Koshal and at Chai Sports. Sam, you need no introduction to who the hosts are. I'm Usaid Koshal. He's Sam Stevenson. We're ready to get this thing rocking and rolling. Sam, how you doing tonight? I know you've got a real cool project that's on the way. Going to be a part of Fireside Bears too. We won't leak any big details just yet, but how you doing tonight, boss? I'm good. It's uh, it's only Tuesday. It's been pretty busy. Got a lot of stuff lined up for this week. Uh, like like you mentioned, got a, got a cool project I'm working on. Uh, no no spoilers yet, but you'll you'll see the the fruits of my labor uh, in a couple of weeks and such. But uh, you guys helped me out with that a little bit, which is great. Uh, just in terms of me, um, I'm good. Ready ready to talk bears as always. It, it's always fun to look back and think about the barely hibernating name because I loved the name a lot, but it's. It feels like it was not that long ago, and then you actually look at the timeline of the podcast. It's been like it's actually been way more time than it actually has been, and that's the thing with with the NFL with the Bears. Time flies when you're when you're nose deep in all of it, and uh, we got a great show ahead of us. So let's get into it. And you know what's weird is we were the there's not a lot of Bears podcasts. We have extra time tonight, folks, so we're just gonna take some time to go and reflect. But there's not a lot of Bears podcasts out there that have a pun in the name like barely hibernating. What's weird is we were kind of the original creators of that, and then after we rebranded to Fireside Bears, I know that there came the Barely Educated podcast. There came a couple other names. <laughs> that had the word barely in there kind of using it as a pun and i'm like oh hold on so i have screenshots somewhere on my phone of all these names but we're not gonna dig those up because we obviously you know are busy with this show tonight but yeah and you know before we dive deep into the bears coaching staff and what our thoughts on there so far i just want to say you know youtube's expanding the podcast continues to go rise we've gained like 200 something sub- subs on youtube just within the first six weeks of 2022 so you know, if you're new to the podcast, if you're new to YouTube, welcome in, guys. We're happy you're here. We're ready to become your one-stop shop for all thing Bears. You know, welcome to the Fireside Bears family. But, Sam, let's get right into it. It's been a week since we last spoke. The Bears went ahead and finalized their entire coaching staff for the most part outside of running backs coach because Michael Petrie did leave for the same position. Went to the Atlanta Falcons, but we got some intriguing names. You know, we broke down Luke Getzey. We got Tyke Tolbert that was added. We got Travis Smith as the defensive line coach. We got Chris Smith as the offense. I'm sorry, Chris Morgan as the offensive line coach. But what are your thoughts on the staff so far? Because I think Matt Eberflus has assembled a staff that is has the perfect blend of veterans as well as up and comers. But it's certainly a staff with high upside as well as high risks too. No, I, I think you said it perfectly. It's it's a good balance, I think, of a couple of newer faces to some positional groups and to some to some you know coordinator spots and such uh, mixed with some guys who've been in the league for a while and, and kind of know what they're doing and again I think Matt Matt Eberflus talked about it kind of early on when he was first hired he he wants his positional group coaches to have you know their number one job is to focus on their positional group and to develop the players at that position uh, you know he he mentioned Justin Fields and the the importance of that and, and I truly think that the bears have, have assembled a pretty solid staff and, and I do give them a lot of credit. I feel like the bears have been on top of getting their staff assembled. Whereas we still have teams that are still, you know, just finishing up head coaching hires. So, you know, kudos to the bears for being on top of things. I, I love kind of the idea of getting some pieces of what could be a Kyle Shanahan offense in the bears. Cause when you look at the bears roster currently, they have some great, talent at the running back room. David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, both fantastic options. Tariq Cohen when he's healthy. They have a general manager who is absolutely committed to overhauling this offensive line and bringing in the best talent available, right? You, you know that you have some some potential in Tevin Jenkins, but outside of that, I think that the Bears could see an entirely new offensive line group. 
And again, I think there's also some elements that are going to fit Justin Fields really, really well. And that's an exciting thing to think about. And I'm going to continue with the theme of cautiously optimistic because it's great to talk about names, but and talk about potential and, and what the Bears can do on offense and what they can do on defense. But obviously not every candidate has been great and perfect. You know, there's still obviously there are some names I think the Bears missed out on. And ultimately, we won't know how these guys are and how they operate until the season starts up again. So I think keeping an open mind but being hopeful is the best way that I can approach this coaching staff. Again, there's a lot of really intriguing names. We're going to uh, be breaking that down a little bit more in a couple of minutes. But overall, I'm really excited the fact that the Bears have an entire staff, in essence, pretty much assembled and can kind of just start getting to work on preparing for free agency in a couple of weeks. So uh, thumbs up for me, but cautious thumbs up for me, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Look, there were nine head coaching hires this period. And what's interesting is you go back and you look at them. Five of these guys are first time head coaches. The bears are one of the five that hired a candidate. That's a first time head coach. When you look at the new Orleans saints, they have Dennis Allen. He was a head coach before in Oakland. You look at Josh McDaniels. We know his history with the Patriots, his time in Denver too, where kind of everyone thought that McDaniels was the next homer and hired. And he was basically fired halfway through the 2010 season. The Jaguars went ahead and hired Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl not too long ago. And then you also look at the fourth and final team, which ends up being the, um, it's totally slipping my mind right now, but it's, uh, yeah, it's the Houston Texans who hired our guy, Lovey Smith. Kind of a name shame. I didn't know that, which shout out to Lovey. I'm happy he's back in the NFL. I thought it was extremely disrespectful. The Bears fired him a decade ago because let's be real. Lovey Smith's teams were always respectable here in Chicago. The guy couldn't find an offensive coordinator for his life, but at least when week 15, 16, 17 came around, the Bears consistently always seemed to be in the hunt. But anyways, the reason I bring this up is because the Bears basically moved so fast to build this entire coaching staff. And I think right now when you do look at the Bears staff, you could certainly argue that of the coordinators as well as the position coaches, the Bears have some of the most intriguing names in mind. I mean, you're talking about Alan Williams, who I think is a defensive coordinator that was with Matt Eberflus in Indianapolis and really... Eberflus brought him over to Chicago and made him the defensive coordinator. But when you look at Alan Williams' kind of NFL history, he kind of got to the NFL in 2001, spent 2002 to 2011 with the Indianapolis Colts under Tony Dungy and Jim Caldwell, left for Minnesota in 2012 and 13 as a defensive coordinator, kind of coached defense backs and safeties with the Detroit Lions again under Jim Caldwell, that three, four year period between 2014 and 17, where they were in the playoffs a couple times, kind of went back to Indianapolis to work under Matt Eberflus. And now he gets a second chance at a defensive coordinator position here in Chicago. I like Alan Williams because I think one of the biggest issues for the bears last season was the secondary. And I still stand by this, that, because I mentioned this on last week's show, that my bold prediction for the 2021 season is that the Bears secondary is going to have, I'm sorry, the 22 season is the Bears secondary is going to have a massive turnaround. When you look at Allen Williams and kind of his track record, you realize one thing that while he was in Minnesota, that's when they were bringing in guys and developing players like Xavier Rhodes, like a Harrison Smith, a couple of those big names that kind of formed the foundation of that defense for years to come. But I bring that up because I think ultimately when you look at Allen Williams, he is a second time defensive coordinator in the NFL. He's also got a lot of talent and potential with this team. When you look at the secondary, given Eberflus's track record, I think the secondary is going to have a big turnaround and the Bears are not going to go crazy spending in free agency to go grab one of these Colts or Chiefs cornerbacks that are ultimately going to be on the free agent market. But I like Allen Williams. I mean, another really interesting name, I think, is Tyke Tolbert, I, the wide receivers coach. I know a lot of people are going to look at Tolbert and be like, well, he was in New York with the Giants for the last couple of years. They really didn't do much. I mean, I think people forget that part of the reason the Giants offense never fully took off is because, one, they never had an offensive line. Number two, Daniel Jones was just a complete statue in the pocket, despite the fact that some of you guys disagree with me. 
And then number three, I think the big thing is that Dave Gettleman got there. They basically shipped Odell Beckham Jr. out. Never really worked under OBJ. But one of the things Tyke Tolbert did do was help 2019 fifth-round pick Darius Slayton, a wide receiver from Auburn, basically develop into the best wide receiver on the Giants roster. And then you look at the 2021 season. Look, they went all out at the wide receiver position. They drafted Kadarius Toney. They went ahead and they were comfortable enough in Kenny Galladay, a four- to five-year deal. Sterling Shepard was in that mix too. But ultimately, the big issue came down to the fact that the Giants never really were healthy and these wideouts couldn't stay healthy either. And that Jason Garrett's offensive scheme was still. But we've seen Tyke Tobair be able to get the best out of guys such as a Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. So he is someone that you look at and you're like, okay, the Bears have some really interesting hires here. Are guys like Getsy and Allen Williams proven? Absolutely not. There's a lot of hard work. But when you look at Tyke Tolbert, I think he's the most proven coach on this coaching staff. No, I think, again, we, we talk about kind of this idea that the Bears are kind of t rolling the dice on their coordinator positions. And, and I think, you know, we've seen the team do this before, but there's confidence in both of the selections. I think there's a lot of people who are really excited about Luke Getzey, and I think Elms is another great example of that. But speaking of guys with kind of unproven, you know, in terms of the position that they're that they're being thrusted into on the coaching staff, a, a guy that I think is a little bit of an intriguing hire that didn't get talked about too much was uh, tight ends coach Jim Dre. So this is his first time in a positional coaching position. Uh, he spent two a couple of years in Arizona as a quality control coach, I believe, a, a season in Cleveland as well. He's also played in the NFL for about eight seasons, uh, obviously played tight end, got a ringing endorsement from uh, Arizona tight end Zach Ertz, who had a very, very productive year as he was traded from Philadelphia to Arizona. Huge part of that Cardinal success on offense this past season. Um, again, it, it seems like a risky move, especially since if the Bears are trying to take elements from like a Shanahan offense, uh, the tight end production is a huge part of that. And you're looking at, you know, a third year Cole Komet. Is this going to be the year where he finally like is? Yeah, I think he had a very solid sophomore season, but is year three the year where he takes off? Are we going to get more production out of guys like Jesper Horstead? You know, who are other guys that the Bears are going to bring back? I, I, I just realized that Horstead is a free agent, but he'll be back. No worries on that. Um, but again, the Bears are probably going to overhaul the tight end positional group a little bit. Can Dre get the most out of these guys because again when we talk about tight end group especially with a younger quarterback in Justin Fields that is your safety blanket it is the best way to describe the tight end position they are able to just tear apart defenses and and be an option for a quarterback and, and again the best way to describe it is a safety blanket so Dre doesn't have the experience necessarily but if the Bears want to copy the, the ideas, ideologies of the tight end spot from some of the offenses that they're pulling these coaches from, Dre's impact on the team is going to be very, very important. So this is definitely a kind of, all right, here is your chance, prove it moment. And, and again, he has some great experience in the NFL, knows the position, but can he coach the position is going to be a big question mark. So I thought it was a pretty intriguing hire, especially considering there's a lot of other candidates available that I think have more experience in the NFL, but Definitely a name to keep an eye on as we as we keep moving forward. Yeah, the Jim Dre hire was interesting to say the least because a lot of people kind of looked at the tight end position. And when you look at really tight end the last two seasons, I mean, let's just be honest. There was the same head coach, Matt Nagy, same tight ends coach, Clancy Barone. In 2020, what was the story? It was, hey, we're going to use... Jimmy Ram way more than we're going to use Cole Komet, which was kind of backwards. And then, you know, you kind of saw that dynamic switch towards the second half of the 2020 season where Komet got more opportunities on offense. And then 2021 was what we all wanted it to be anyway, which was Cole Komet's the future. Jimmy Graham's just a factor, but he's kind of in the background the entire time. So when you look at tight end, I think I was legitimately surprised when Eberflus opted not to bring back Clancy Barone because I think Clancy does have a really good track record of developing some of these players. And then you just mentioned, you know, he does have experience coaching the offensive line as well as being a run game coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. So his experience, I think, is real critical. But ultimately, when you look at Chicago, just from the standpoint of Eberflus wanted to clear house. 
when we talk about this newly look coach, this new look coaching staff, something that I think sticks out is that if there were two candidates, I would want have wanted the Bears to bring back. Number one would have been John DeFilippo, the quarterbacks coach, because he is a relatively hot commodity around the NFL. Number two. I look at Sean Desai, who just interviewed with the Raiders and as well as the Minnesota Vikings. But the point I think stands is this, is that Eberflus is basically coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to hire these high quality, what he deems to be, I should say, high quality assistants. Because for me, at the end of the day, what this ultimately comes down to is, can I continue to be that CEO of a head coach? And he's basically going out and grabbing guys. They know their football. They just have to put the coaching and execution aspect together for it all to translate onto the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing between the difference in, in the hiring of Matt Nagy and the hiring of Matt Eberflus, uh, besides obviously their names and who they are, a lot of Eberflus's staff from the Colts followed him to Chicago, and that's a very promising sign. That didn't really happen with Nagy. Nagy kind of had to bring in his own entire staff. And I think that kind of mentality of like bringing in guys who know the system that you can incorporate right away. And again, there are guys in new roles this year, like an Allen Williams, who's going to be our defensive coordinator. So like, how is the Bears defense going to look, especially since Ibrafus emphasized the fact that he's going to allow his coordinators to run his offense and defense and specialty. So it's going to be very... I feel like there's going to be definitely some growing pains overall, but I like this list of names overall. Again, I'm going to reemphasize the fact that the bears got their staff and they got it together quickly. I, I like that. I think having that just set and ready to go while teams are still finalizing head coaching candidates and now they have to build their staffs and it's, you know, February that that's a, that's a positive for me in my opinion. So I'm very, I'm very excited, but I'm still going to, kind of wait this out and see what happens. Um, but I like the staff. I like a lot. Listen, so I was on overthecap.com earlier today, just looking at something for Akeem Hicks for a free agent focus. I think the Bears have got like 48 players under contract. And you know, by the time that the NFL draft has concluded in about two to three months here, the Bears are going to have to be at 90 total players just going into the summer. They have a number of free agents. You look at Bilal Nichols, James Daniels, Akeem Hicks, just a couple names that come to mind. Your guy, Jesper Horstead, is certainly in there. Andy Dalton, Jimmy Graham, a couple guys that could possibly hit the open market, depending on what the Bears do. But, Sam, are there any free agents here the Bears just absolutely have to retain? Jesper Horstead. No, I'm just kidding. Um, my actual answer is James Daniels. So, I tossed and turned with this answer for a little bit because I do see the arguments against. Uh, I know I think Brad Biggs reported that he could fetch up to $8 million. I believe Spot Track has him valued at around 7 to $8 million a year. If, if that's the range, roughly, I don't know how you can let a 24 year old offensive guard walk in free agency. Again, I could see the Bears going early in the draft and getting an offensive guard. There's a lot of really intriguing candidates. I could see them going and getting a cheap option there until they can find a long-term solution. Maybe a Larry Borum is going to be a guy that's going to be considered for a guard spot. But but ultimately, if Ryan Poles is truly going to overhaul this offensive line and he's going to build the offensive line in his making and his image, why wouldn't you keep a guy around at such a young age who finally finds his feet at the right guard spot. When we talk about James Daniels, his career in Chicago so far, he's played pretty much all over the interior. He was drafted. I know he played center in Iowa. They wanted to play a little bit of guard. He moved around. He shifted around. Finally got a whole season under him at right guard. And honestly, I thought was one of the more consistent guys in the offensive line. I wouldn't say he was the best, but pretty solid overall. And, and again, this offensive line is going to need some consistency. We talked about it last year. We talked about it last season. The, the idea of consistency within the offensive line and fluidity is so important because they're going to be why the Bears can run the ball well and why the Bears can pass the ball well. You need a strong offensive line. And again, I think Poles believes in that. So when I look at Bears free agents right now and I look at the cap space the Bears have, if James Daniels is valued around seven to eight million dollars, I don't know why you would not bring him back and extend him. He's young and I think he's got a lot of potential and I think he's finally starting to hit his stride and, and, and what he can be for this Bears interior offensive line. Now, if we're talking more like 10-ish million dollars, 
I could see why you let him walk. But ultimately, if they can get him back, I think he's absolutely a much-needed Bears free agent to retain. Look, when you talk about building the future of this team and you consider just what James Daniels brings to the table in terms of the new scheme that the Bears are going to run with this kind of play action, Shanahan outside zone bootleg system, easiest way to describe it. I think James Daniels is certainly a fit. I, You know, uh, James Daniels is an interesting case study because is he the most physically imposing? <laughs> Absolutely not. Is he the flashiest guy? No. Is he a mauler by any means? Not really. But one thing he does really well that nobody talks about is the guy can move. The guy is mobile enough to the point where how many times did we see on – screenplays with the Bears that James Daniels was often the lead blocker and two to three to four steps ahead of the rest of these offensive linemen. You combine that with being just 25 years old, because he'll be 25 in 2022, that there is a recipe for, hey, James, we believe you can be here for at least the next decade. So that's James Daniels. When you talk about one wide, one player I would like to see the Bears retain, that's a free agent. I mean, Look, there's a lot of really intriguing names because from an unrestricted free agent standpoint, a year ago at this time, if you were to ask me, hey, who do the Bears have to bring back? I would have obviously told you Allen Robinson. But I think Allen Robinson's as good as gone in Chicago. I understand that it just seems like A-Rob and his agent Brandon Parker are in no way, shape, or form going to buy into anything that Eberflus and Poles have to really say because they're going to look at this and say, hey, Tell us why you think you're different from Pace and Nagy. And everyone knows if the answer is not good enough, Allen Robinson is as good as gone. Plus, you combine the fact that he had such a dip in production last season. There were times where I didn't even know Allen Robinson was playing in the game because he was just out for so long and he was genuinely that non-existent. But since we're talking about wide receivers the Bears have to bring back, I think... This is a position that's only got Darnell Mooney and Daz Newsome under contract going into 2022. And the Bears have a second and third round pick, which means you know they're going to have to figure out how to add to the wide receiver room. When we talk about a receiver the Bears need to bring back that's a veteran, I think it's Marquise Goodwin. He's going to be 32 years old in 2022. When you talk about Marquise Goodwin, just from the perspective of what he was able to accomplish in Chicago last year after having been out all of 2020, he played in 14 games. I know there were four or five games he missed with injuries, but he had only 20 receptions because the Bears' passing offense was so bad. But he did average about 16 yards per reception, which I think really speaks to just his ability to be a big play threat. I mean, people tend to really forget. Justin Fields is the type of quarterback where when you look at him, his best game comes playing short to deep. I'm sorry, deep to short essentially, right? We saw times where... Justin in 2021 was playing short to deep, but he's really a deep to short type player. So ultimately, when I look at Marquise Goodwin, he's a name that I would like to see the Bears bring back. No, I actually I like that you you bring him up because he's a guy that I've been kind of thinking as, OK, maybe he doesn't necessarily make the initial 53, but at least you give him a camp camp contract and you allow him a chance to compete for a spot. You know, he's got a connection with Justin Fields. You know he's a veteran wide receiver. You know that this Bears wide receiver core has the potential to be very young, potentially very inexperienced, especially if they draft someone to, to kind of fill in the second or third role. So having a guy like Goodwin there I think is, is a positive influence. Um, and speaking of guys to throw to, I, I'm going to say this with seriousness. I actually think the Bears should bring back Jesper Horstead. And, and I'm not saying this because I am the president of the Jesper Horstead fan club. I have his jersey in my closet. But when I think about the Bears' tight end room, they have Cole Komet, the only one under contract, right? It's very unlikely they're going to bring back Jimmy Graham. Jesse James could be a name that they potentially bring back, but he may fetch for more money than we realize. And and do the Bears have the draft capital to go and, and draft a tight end? Many people, I think, say yes. There's definitely some intriguing candidates. But when you only have five picks in a draft and it's your first year as a GM, picking a tight end is a bit of a weird move. Now, Enter Jesper Horstead, who has literally three touchdowns on ten career catches, and I'm not saying the guy is is trans you know the next the next Gronk, but it's very clear that he's getting more comfortable in the passing scheme. He developed on the practice squad. 
You know he's not going to be very expensive. Give the guy a shot. Let me and Joe get hyped about him being on the roster for another year. And look, the guy catches touchdown passes, plain and simple. And the Bears are desperately in need of finally finding some consistency in the red zone. Jesper Horstead is a guy that could potentially be, uh, you know, the second or third tight end who can be a decent red zone option. So, again, he's not the biggest name that needs to be brought back. But if we're going to talk about guys on offense that could be brought back for at least camp bodies, give my boy Horstead a shot. Okay, so when you go ahead and you look at the Bears tight end room, there's something really to be said because on over the cap it says that Jimmy Ram, Jesse James, and J.P. Holtz are free agents. Why Jesper Horstead's not on that list, I have absolutely zero idea why. But look, there's something to be said for this tight end group because you know that going into the year, Kokomet's going to be the only guy there. I mean, Jimmy Ram being 36 years old, probably is going to be out of the league in 2022, which is going to be his unofficial retirement party. I I look at Jesse James and JP Holtz, and I realize if there's one position group that Justin Fields built chemistry with in 2021, it was without a doubt the tight end group. Because you look at Fields' chemistry with Cole Komet, we kind of saw it progress. You talk about Fields' chemistry with Jesper Horstead. I mean, I know the two were going at it, back and forth on Instagram and Justin kind of called Jesper one of his favorite targets or something. And then you just look at the way that Justin was able to establish a connection so quickly with Jesse James. And then schematically, you look at how JP Holtz has traditionally been used as a fullback. And considering the Bears are going to go a lot more outside zone, you could certainly see a situation where JP Holtz is brought back to be a fullback solely. But what he will be is a blocker and that's about all he really is because that's all jp holtz offers his size and blocking ability doesn't offer much as a receiver in the receiving game but this tight end group it's another one where cole comments already there and the bears are gonna have a decision to make now you talk about the five draft picks ryan poles has i don't think that tight end is that high of a priority or a need on the roster where you go and you draft a guy like in isaiah likely from Coastal Carolina University, who has been lauded by some to be one of the top tight ends in this draft, but I don't think the Bears go do that. I don't think they take a tight end in 2022, knowing that the vibe I get from Poles and Eberflus is the focus this year is going to be on overhauling the trenches on both sides of the ball, just playing it safe and free agency, and then going ahead and essentially being able to continue to add to an already existing foundation. That's the nicest things you've ever said, I think, about Jesper Horstead, ever on a podcast. You're, you have truly seen the light and have changed your ways from hating on Jesper Horstead to now seeing him as a viable option in this Bears roster in 2022. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud that you've made this change and you've seen the light. Very, very, very happy to hear that. Okay, let me just disclose this because you guys obviously don't get it. And I said this way before any of you guys did, but y'all didn't listen, okay, is that the Bears under Pace and Nagy wasted roster spots on guys like Jesper, no, not Jesper Horsehead. What's the other underrated free agent's name? Ryan Null. They wasted roster spots on guys like Ryan Null, guys that should not have even been on this roster to begin with. I know that people are going to sit there and be like, oh, well, it's the Bears. They like to kind of, you know, Ryan Null was a good special teams guy. If you can't make an impact at your position, I probably don't want you on the roster because that means you can't really make an impact. Plus, how many times did we see Ryan Null be an absolute gunner? I think since Devin Hester, the Bears' best special teamers have been Cordero Patterson, Tariq Cohen, and then Jakeem Grant, who ironically cost Chicago a 2023 sixth-round pick. But anyway, look, the point I think stands is that Horstead's been on the roster since, what, 2017 to since 2019, okay? The Bears have not given him enough chances to play. There are a lot of young guys that you look at. You know, Thomas Graham Jr. is another one. Daz Newsom's another one. I said this. I'm like, Daz is a real tough, gritty wide receiver. He deserves a chance to play. But Matt Nagy kind of had this, like, like it goes like this. You know when Tom Thibodeau was head coach of the Bulls for what? four or five seasons, he just had this 
thing against playing rookies. I feel like that's what happened with Matt Nagy too, is that there were a lot of players that had the potential that he just flat out refused to play. And when we look at the pace in Nagy era, guess what? The best day three picks ultimately Bilal Nichols, who again got playing time in his rookie season. It's only because Vic Fangio probably pushed for him to play and helped develop Nichols. But ultimately when you look at it, like Matt Nagy never really let any of these rookies play. Or these young guys, I should say. No, I uh, I could not disagree more. And, you know, I think when we talk about the changes that – if you talk about – you want to carry a pair to the Bulls, Billy Donovan giving his second-round rookie, uh, Ayo Donsilmu, more playing time, and he is now a viable piece on this Bulls roster. So hopefully the Bears will, will follow suit and allow some of these younger guys' chances to play. Again, part of that is how you practice. Coaches are going to pick who the best guys need to play and who's available, but – Ultimately, if there's a guy who has a chance, give him a shot and see what happens. That's the only other thing I would add to that. Yeah, well, I want to add this on too because you bring up like what we brought up like rookies and undrafted free agents. I mean, and we'll talk about the Super Bowl and towards the end of the show. But something has to be said because when I look at the LA Rams, like let's be real, they have not had a first-round pick since 2016 or 17. So, you know, certainly it's been a long time. But I think one thing that sticks out about the Rams is that the Rams basically did less need. They did what Ryan Pace hoped to do and the Bears hoped to do the last five, six, seven years in the sense that they got their coach, they hit on what they thought they hit on a quarterback and didn't work out, and then they went and upgraded the quarterback position. All that sticks out to me because the Rams were willing to give up two first-rounders for... Jalen Ramsey. They were willing to give up another two first rounders for Matt Stafford. They were willing to go all in and trade a couple mid round picks for Von Miller. They went out and they got Leonard Floyd in free agency. But all that sticks out to me because the Rams made it work with mid round draft picks, but also went ahead and developed their undrafted free agents. So when we talk about the Bears, that's ultimately a boat that you don't want to see this team in where they don't have a first-round pick year in and year out. But then also, I think the Rams have kind of proven that, yeah, having a first-round pick is great and dandy and all, but if you can continue to get your contributions from those guys that you draft on late day two throughout day three, some of those undrafted free agents that you're able to just go ahead and develop, you can, and then your coaching staff does who are well in terms of developing. You can build a really solid, well-rounded roster. Yeah, I mean, and what the advantage that I think Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus has is like they have time to kind of see who they have right now. I mean, again, I think a lot of 2022 is going to be evaluating those that are still on contracts right now. Again, there's going to be a lot of new faces I think in Chicago, but talking about young players like Tevin Jenkins, Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery, uh, Thomas Graham Jr., Jalen Johnson. I mean, I could go on and on with the list of young talent on this Bears roster. And I think as part of that as well, this upcoming Bears rookie class, we're going to see how many of these guys can play right away. You're talking about how the Bears absolutely need to find value in the second and third rounds. I think they need to find guys who can play right away. And I think ultimately too, like you need to find – good talent in the deeper rounds because that was one thing that Ryan Pace was solid at. He was good at finding decent talent in day three picks, not saying that he was amazing, but he was okay at that. So it's definitely, I think an advantage to a new GM and to a new head coach when you can actually just kind of have that time to evaluate talent a little bit more, but the best players need to play. And if the guys who are in the one spot aren't playing well, you need to try something else. And I think Nagy never really got that in that like, hey, maybe there are guys sitting on your bench or sitting on your practice squad that have a better shot than whatever the heck you're trying to do right now. And some guys will play better under different schemes as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. But yeah, I mean, here's to hoping that the Bears will play the best players and that this draft class and the young guys on this team can be significant contributors in 2022. You know, let's switch over from discussing free agents the Bears have to retain to a way too early spotlight on a free agent that 
was not on the Bears in 2021 or any of the years before that. There's a couple names that kind of stick out to me here because when you go through the list at overthecap.com, which, oh, how exciting. There's some breaking news about the Winter Olympics, which I haven't even caught up on, by the way. But, you know, there's a couple names, right? Because I look, the Bears are going to be in the market for a cornerback this offseason. And when you look at Ryan Poles, he's basically said, hey, I'm going to kind of sit on my hands and I'm going to be a big spender in the second and third wave, which is when contracts die down or players who hope to get a big deal and break the bank. What happens is those players don't get the money that they want. There's a couple of names that stick out to me. You know, I really like Traverius Ward from the Colts. I also, I'm sorry, from the Chiefs. He's only 26 years old. He's an undrafted free agent. I know the big fish at cornerback is JC Jackson of the Patriots, but I'll be honest about something. I'm wary of signing any of these expatriates players simply because they're in one place. They do so well with the Patriots. They go to another place and they completely fall off. I mean, just look at Stefan Gilmore for a second. Gilmore was never a bad cornerback in Buffalo, but I think what my issue with Stefan Gilmore kind of came down to was that he was someone who thrived with the Patriots, but as time kind of went on, just completely fell off. He was in Carolina for some time last year, didn't exactly live up to expectations. So Traverius Ward, the defensive back, is another one because, again, he basically came up under Ryan Poles. But then there's a couple other interesting names on there. I know Mo Ali Cox is 29. He's a tight end that if he comes for cheap and the Colts are willing to kind of go ahead and let him go, he's an interesting name. I think Zach Pascal is another name to look at. You got Robert Tunyon, whose deal is going to be void with the Packers. And then, you know, you just continue to look at the list, man. I mean, and these are names that I've memorized basically off the top of my head. It Look, it's weird because you look at some of these guys and you're like, okay, they would absolutely make sense. But then also there has to be kind of a perfect ideal situation that you're looking at here because you don't want the Bears to go out and to throw big money at a guy like a right tackle, Mike, Rem Mike Remmers, who's in his early 30s because that would just that would not be getting younger. That's basically a stopgap solution. Yeah, I mean, so when I was preparing this, I, I kind of picked like my my number one kind of like who is someone that I think you absolutely should keep an eye on. I really like the fact that you brought up that Poles is willing to sit on his hand a little bit because I think one of the biggest areas for the Bears is offseason going to be the wide, position, wide receiver position. And I think the top five names, we, we kind of all know them. It's Devontae Adams, um, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, and Michael Gallup, right? All those guys are probably going to fetch – quite a bit of money. I think Adams is looking for anything close to like $30 million a year. The bears aren't going to spend that much money on a wide receiver this offseason. They just simply aren't. When we look at the second phase of top wide receiver names, the, the name that comes to mind for me is Christian Kirk. A lot of people are, are, are connecting the bears to Christian Kirk. Uh, I know he's come out recently and says he's hoping to stay in Arizona, but he will listen to offers. Uh, I think he would be a great option. He, absolutely had probably his best season in the NFL because the Cardinals switched him to the slot. Um, I think, in fact, he actually, I'm looking at my notes here, 77 catches for 984 yards. Um, his ability to stretch out defenses would just, I think, mesh so well with Mooney. And again, I think when you talk about what this Bears offense need, they need guys who can just cut down the field, open up things, and let Justin Fields use that deep ball accuracy to his advantage. I think right now Kirk's projected to make like, I think spot track has him like a $12 million a year. I think it's probably going to be a little bit higher. Um, but I really like the idea of Kirk being added to this offense with a, with a rookie wide receiver. Um, another name as well. I don't think he's the top choice and I don't, I wouldn't want to overpay him, but I'd really like uh, Ben Jones uh, center. I believe the Tennessee Titans, but I might be wrong on the team. Um, I believe he's 32, which again is a little bit on the older side of things, but if you want this offensive line to work, you need a old veteran on that old in terms of like old, old, but you need someone who's been in the league for a while can kind of be the leader of this offensive line. I think Jones has had a solid, solid season this past year and the bears need to upgrade at center. Sam Mustafer is just not getting the job done. And if Jones is a cheaper guy that you can, you know, not have to worry about giving away too much cap space to. I really like a guy like him as well. Um, there's a couple others that I'm not going to try to list off or look my notes for, but 
definitely those two are on my names to keep an eye on. Well, right. And, you know, you bring up the wide receiver position. I don't, I'm not going to come out and say that guys like Allen Robinson are going to completely break the market. Cause when you kind of look at the market right now, there's three players that are going to set the market. You're going to have Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams. Now, Will Fuller is someone I really don't want because I feel like with Will Fuller, he's been more injured the last couple of years. Juju Smith-Schuster being 26 years old, he, I think, is an intriguing option. But I also just have a feeling that if there's going to be any of these wide receivers that we've listed off that are going to get more money than they probably deserve – you could bet your boots Juju Smith-Schuster is one of those guys. But when you look at kind of the second or third tier wide receivers, there's some interesting names on there. You know, Sammy Watkins, again, at just 29 years old, he wouldn't be my first option. But I also think Sammy Watkins has kind of shown, hey, listen, I am able to play the game at a high level and just be serviceable enough to warrant being a good enough target for my quarterback. But also there's two names that really stick out to me. Now, if you followed my work over the last six, seven years, you know that coming out of Clemson was Mike Williams in 2017. I was high on Mike Williams. Like there was not a single person that could convince me otherwise that Mike Williams was going to be a stud in the NFL. And ultimately, when you look at Mike Williams, I certainly think he has been a stud. You look at kind of his 2019 season. I mean, he had a thousand yards. You know, you look at last season, he started just 11 games. This season, he had another 1100 yard season. So, Mike Williams is one of those names that you're looking at just 28 years old. He is certainly going to be someone who gets a second contract. But ultimately, when you look at Mike Williams, I think that he's going to want a three, four, or five-year deal to kind of just lock into a team. And I think that a big possession receiver like him, who's like six foot four, that would totally make sense for Justin Fields. But let's talk about familiarity for a second here because there's a couple wide receivers in this free agent class. You have Alan Lazard, Equinemius St. Brown, T.Y. Hilton, as well as Zach Pascal. Two players that play for the Packers were Luke Getzies from. Two players that play for the Colts where Matt Eberflus is from. There are people and Bears fans out there talking about the possibility of how about Alan Rizard? He's a restricted free agent, right? So he wouldn't make much sense. Most teams want unrestricted free agents. And Equinemius St. Brown is a name who you look at and you could basically bring in real cheap for depth because when the Packers basically went ahead and overhauled the wide receiver room in 2018, we knew Devontae Adams was going to be the face of the room. But then these studs, such studs coming out of college at the time, they may not be studs in the NFL anymore. These guys like Equinemius St. Brown and Alan Lazard were really intriguing names because that 2018 wide receiver class was deep. I mean, I know that there was an entire faction on Bears Twitter that was solely advocating for Equinemius St. Brown only because he went to Notre Dame. And there's apparently a giant correlation where if you go to Notre Dame and then you turn pro, you're obviously going to be the best player ever, which is not true, but you know, you guys get the point, but just a quick side note. Yeah. Keep an eye on um, the current Notre Dame tight end. I totally forgot his name, but he's going to be my early pick to pair with Cole Komet in 2023 when the bears have a first round pick. But anyway, the point is, is I think Equinemius St. Brown would make sense. I don't know what the Packers are going to do with Alan Lazard. I would assume they're going to try and bring him back, knowing that the chemistry he's established with their quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love totally makes sense. When you look at Pascal and T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. Hilton's the name that he may be just 33 years old, but he's got enough left in the tank where I do think he's going to be available in the second and third wave of free agency. You get the Colts under Chris Ballard. They've never really taken a wide receiver height. Maybe this is the year they decide to pull the trigger on a guy like a Drake London or a David Bell, who, side note, David Bell or Traylon Burks would look great in Bears uniforms, by the way, not because we're here analyzing the Bears, but because those guys legitimately have the talent. Oh, I, would, I mean, you get, if you're a, a longtime listener of the show, you know I'm a David Bell stan. I, I think he would be a tremendous fit on the Bears, and, and I've loved watching him play at Purdue the past two seasons. 
My dad's a Purdue fan, so I've watched a bunch of Purdue football. I thought he was better than Rondell Moore last year, and the fact that he had a huge year this year just just proves that point to me. Um, I like the St. Brown uh, option. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think the connection makes sense. I'm a little iffy on a guy like T.Y. Hilton just because of the injury history and and the age, but I definitely could see it as an option. Um, I, I think, too, with the Bears, it's definitely, I feel like, going to be a free agency with a massive emphasis on the offense. I, I definitely think the Bears will address the defensive uh, certain defensive areas. I think they absolutely are going to need to bring in a – veteran corner to pair with Jalen Johnson. I, I don't want them to draft a corner early just because I think there's good depth in this class. And I just really think the best way to, to get this defense up and running. I mean, you, you've been, you said it, you said like you want, you think this secondary is going to take a huge step in 2022. I think that huge steps going to happen when you bring in a guy like, you know, I, I don't think they're going to get a JC Jackson, but I, I think there's solid veteran options available that the bears can go and get. Um, in free agency. Um, if, if they're looking to address the nickel cornerback spot, which I don't think they're going to, because I think they like what they have in Thomas Graham and Duke Shelley, but who knows? Those, again, are both Ryan Pace guys. Um, a name that I wouldn't I'm, – I'm not 100% sure he's a free agent. I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, I'd be down for a guy like a Desmond King. I thought he fit that Houston Texans defense really, really well. I don't think his uh, his projected salary is too expensive. Younger player, I think he'd be a decent fit on this defense. And again, I want the Bears to address the secondary in free agency. But I think overall arcing theme is that the Bears are going to overhaul the offense line, wide receiver room, tight end room, everything pretty much but the quarterback. Yeah. Look, when you look at this cornerback class in free agency, before we get ready to kind of move on to the final couple of topics here, I'm going to say this is that. You know, you want the Bears to avoid some of these veterans like a Gilmore, Joel Hayden, Kyle Fuller, Chris Harris Jr., Patrick Peterson even, as well as Jason Verrett. Xavier Rhodes, I don't think should be a serious option either. But Desmond King, I think, is an intriguing case study. You also look at cornerback Mike Hughes, right, who played like about 46, 47% of the snaps with the Chiefs last season. He would be an intriguing add. You know, you talk about the slot cornerback position. I think Levi Wallace from the Buffalo Bills is going to be one of the highest paid cornerbacks in this free agency cycle and then you look at some of these other names you know I think a lot of people forget that Isaiah Oliver coming out of college I believe he went to Iowa he was a name that a lot of people were high on people basically went ahead and pegged as being a kind of new you know lockdown corner that was going to take over the NFL and then there's other intriguing names like Ken Crawley with the New Orleans Saints who again you know, the Saints just promoted Dennis Allen to head coach, so Ken Crawley could be a lock to come back there. But I do really like Ken Crawley as another name who's like 28, 29 years old to keep an eye on. But switching over from free agency here, what are you doing with the 39th overall pick in the draft, man? Because that's where the Bears are picking the second round. I think the Bears need to stay there. I don't want them to trade back in the second round. I don't want them to move up. Stay there. We we have so many times seen the former general manager, Ryan Pace, move up in the draft, overspend on draft capital to get his guy, right? Ryan Poles wants the best player at each draft position, as does every other GM in the draft, right? There is going to be excellent talent available with the 39th overall pick. It is an early pick in the second round, and I think if the Bears want to move back, they might have some options in the fifth round. They might have some options in the third round. Stay put in the second round. Get the best guy that you can available. What is exciting about where the Bears are at in the draft is there's not a clear path for them in the second round. I feel like through the past couple of years, the Bears have kind of had specific needs that they've needed to address in their early picks. In 2020, 2021, it was, or excuse me, 2021 last season, they had to go and address the quarterback position. Two years ago, they had to address an area of need like the tight end room, right? I think with polls, there's so many avenues and routes you can go to. There's going to be good offensive talent available, both in the offensive tackle group and the interior offensive line. The senior bowl just stopped. Uh, it was a great week. A lot of really intriguing names who I think absolutely have built up their draft capital uh, in terms of the offensive line. This wide receiver class is loaded. It, it's an absolutely fantastic wide receiver class. Again, there's going to be some great names available. Again, I'm a David Bell guy. I think he's going to be there at 39. I think he'd be a great fit. 
but there's going to be some other really good candidates there at 39 as well, wide receiver position. But the Bears could do a lot of things here that I don't think people would expect if Ryan Pace was the GM. I think they could go linebacker. I think they could go secondary. I think they could go defensive line. I, I mean, there is a lot of avenues and options. They could maybe go safety. That's another area of need. They need to find someone consistently with Eddie Jackson. It is a very interesting spot where the Bears are at. And it's the first time that I haven't done, you know, I'm starting to get back into the rhythm of mock drafts and stuff. It's the first time that I have been doing draft analysis and doing my mock drafts where I legitimately get to my pick at 39 and I don't really have a confident, like, this is absolutely who I'm taking. And that's kind of a good thing because when you trust in a new GM, you know that he's going to bring in his guys. You know he's going to have good options. I'm excited to see what he does with the draft. Obviously, those opinions will change a little bit once we kind of start free agency. We know who the Bears are going to kind of be going after based on who they sign in free agency. But this is really the first year of, like, not knowing exactly what the Bears are going to do, and that's kind of an exciting thought. Um, I think they're going to go interior offensive line or wide receiver, but I have been wrong before, and I think I'm, I could absolutely be wrong again, but we'll see. You know what's weird is speaking of moving up in the draft, I remember this was the 2020 draft and a little story time here, but I was covering the Giants at that time for a certain podcast network. And, you know, I just so casually tweeted because I knew this was going to be a possibility. I talked about how if there was a team that the Bears were going to move up within the second round, it was going to be the New York Giants. And then it just so happened that a couple hours later, NFL Network kind of broke that news. And then a year later, you look at it. I was on our guy Keegan Hartman down at the University of Missouri. I was on his radio show, and he asked me, his co-host is just like, hey, who's going to be the third overall pick? Because San Francisco was picking at third overall at the time. And I went ahead and I said Trey Lance when everyone was thinking – Mac Jones was just a complete smokescreen. And then I also went ahead and said about four to five days before the 2021 draft that the stars were aligning for the Bears to go ahead and grab Justin Fields. So I've had my fair share of um, hits. But when look, when you look at this 39th overall pick, it's weird because there's – Ryan Poles is not going to trade up. He's kind of made that much clear. He's basically said, we're going to take the player that's not even the best available, but the player that we feel like we're going to go ahead and get the most value out of, right? What does that even mean? It basically means if we feel like there's a certain player there that has real good value, we could go ahead and pull the trigger depending on where that player is ranked on our big board. I would expect an offensive lineman. I would even expect a pass catcher. I think those are the two most legitimate options because quite frankly, when we talk about the rest of the roster, let's be honest about something. A position like cornerback could make sense at 39, but is cornerback a need here? If Eberflus sees enough with Thomas Graham Jr., because again, he's evaluating everything through a fresh set of ice, I could see a situation, a scenario where they forego taking a cornerback early and basically say, hey, we are going to go ahead and we're going to go wide receiver or offensive tackle. Safety is another tough one because I wouldn't want the Bears taking a safety in round two unless there was an absolute stud of a player available, which this safety class I feel like is kind of top heavy because you do have Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. And then after that, there is a bit of a drop off in terms of where players are drafted. And let's be real. I mean, Eberflus has basically shown I can develop any sort of secondary talent. So what I'm trying to say, I think is this, I think the bears are definitely going to stay put or if it makes sense to trade back to kind of accumulate an extra third or fourth round pick, because the way the bears grade the draft out is they feel as if there's some really good talent in the third, fourth, fifth round that's going to come in handy. That makes sense. Then by all means trade down from 39, just a bit. I just my, – my last thing that I'll say about it is I I definitely think they're going to go – I think that the thought is they're going to go offensive line, which I think is fine. Again, the, I'm all for all overhauling the offensive line. Again, I, I am obviously a fan of a guy like a David Bell or other wide receivers because I think getting a good receiver in the second round would be awesome. 
but you can get good talent at wide receiver at, at pretty much almost any other round. I mean, the Bears have done it. They got Darnell Mooney in the fifth, and other teams have done it in the past. I just, unless there's absolutely no one at 39 that the Bears feel great with, or they get an absolutely fantastic offer, I don't want the move down decision to be made in the second round because at 39, you are basically almost guaranteed to get a first round talent that is only getting picked in the second round because there's just not enough draft picks in the first round. That That's my honest opinion on that. I, I would totally be fine with a trade in the third trade down the third round. I know the Bears have a pick, uh, pick 71 there. They have two fifth round picks. They could use one and trade back with the other one, get another, you know, day three pick. I'm all for the Bears doing that and getting more draft picks. I'm just more of the opinion, stay at 39, get the best player available. All right, let me ask you this. Super Bowl Sunday's coming up this weekend. We're not going to do an extensive breakdown of the game just because this is a Bears channel, not in a podcast, not a NFL one. If you certainly want some NFL coverage, guys, check out some of my articles on Empire Sports Media. But there's something to be said, right? When you have a team like the Cincinnati Bengals that ends up basically landing a top five pick, struggles in year one with their rookie quarterback, and now going into year two, Joe Burrow is taking a big step forward. Some of it is because they have a blue chip wide receiver in Jamar Chase. But if you were to talk to me at the start of the 2021 season when everyone was reporting for training camp and you were to tell me the Bengals were going to be in the Super Bowl, I would tell you no way because there's not enough experience. But the Bengals had such a quick turnaround. I think there's a fair question to ask, right? Is what lessons can Chicago learn from Cincinnati's blueprint? I think one of the biggest things for me is getting young, explosive playmakers for your quarterback. I look at this Bengals wide receiver core of Jamar Chase, best rookie wide receiver in the draft class, connection with Joe Burrow. They both, you know, that connection was rekindled again in Cincinnati, and it's probably going to win off as a rookie of the year. I look at a second-year player in T. Higgins, a guy that they drafted last year, had a solid rookie season, Big body, you know, brings the ball down well, attacks the ball, great second option. And then Tyler Boyd, who I think is a sneaky good third pick, kind of does everything, good guy uh, in terms of like playing him in the slot or whatever, good explosiveness. That wide receiver court, they're all under the age of 25. I think Boyd is the oldest at 23. And they all get the most out of Joe Burrow. And that's what the Bears need to try to do with Justin Fields. You have one of those guys in Darnell Mooney. Now go get a second guy in free agency, a guy that you know can play similarly and fits the mold well of this offense, and get a solid guy in the draft. It doesn't need to be in the second round. There's Again, I, I've, I've harped on this. There's good wide receivers that are going to be available later in the draft. They need to try and build a similar kind of scheme in terms of the – by mean scheme, I mean just young good talent at the wide receiver group. And I know that's a hard thing to ask. I understand that. But when you look at the Bengals' success on offense, it's not really through their offensive line. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times against the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, and they won that game because their playmakers were in a good position. You don't get that if you don't have a wide receiver core like the Cincinnati Bengals do. I would want the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver core. I'm envious of them. They're absolutely fantastic. That is my biggest thing that I think the Bears can copy from the Cincinnati Bengals. Get Justin Fields some weapons. Look, I think the biggest thing the Bears can learn from Cincinnati is just stability at that quarterback position in terms of not only who the quarterback is, but also who the coaches are. Because if something isn't working, you have to look at what's not working and say, do we move on or how can we fix this? How can we move forward? How can we adapt? The Bears, every single time something doesn't work, what do they do? They basically go ahead and they move on and they call it a day. Thinking that the next guy, the next head coach, the next player will automatically be better. And again, we've seen that that isn't always the case. I mean, look, this is a franchise that's not too far removed from selling us on the promise of, hey, Andy Dalton's going to be better than Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles when in reality, let's be real. I mean, the play really stayed stagnant. 
the reason I bring that up is because the Bengals did a good job of committing to Joe Burrow by keeping him as the starter, but they also did a good job of ensuring that Zach Taylor as well as Brian Callahan is going to be the offensive coordinator. Why I bring that up is very simple because let's just say in the hypothetical scenario, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but let's just say Justin Fields doesn't make the jump that a lot of people are anticipating he makes in year two, which is totally fine, by the way. Let's say he struggles a bit, but then you end up being in a situation where year three is a true breakout year for Fields, and that year three breakout is simply because these guys like Andrew Janico and Luke Getze helped contribute to that breakout because there was continuity. If that's the case, you know what? That's the one big lesson the Bears can learn from Cincinnati is just how to stay stable and continue to have the head coach as well as the quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator just coach and develop at a high level in terms of the quarterback position. Because then I'll kind of begin to wrap up here. But we saw the same thing with Lovey Smith, where it's just like he went through Mike Tice and then Mike Martz, and then all of a sudden Lovey got fired, and then the Bears brought in Mark Trestman, who brought in Eric, or I'm sorry, Aaron Cromer, and then Cromer didn't work out. Then Trestman got fired. Cromer threw Cutler under the bus, and then Adam Gase came in, and then Adam Gase left, and then there was Dowell Loggins, and then the Bears moved on from Loggins, and it was like time for Trubisky and Mike Lennon, and then Loggins and Fox got fired. Mike Glenn was out of town. The next thing you know, Matt Nagy had Mark Helfrich in as offensive coordinator. Well, Helfrich got fired after basically two seasons. And then Nagy brought in Bill Lazor as well as John DiFilippo. So when you change offensive coordinators as much as the Bears have over the last decade or so, it really stunts the development of your quarterback. Cincinnati has basically committed to Joe Burrow via the coaching staff, Zach Taylor and Bill Callahan. So, or Brian Callahan, whatever the guy's name is, I don't care. But the point I'm making is you need stability at that position, especially at head coach as well as quarterback. That's the one big lesson the Bears can learn from Cincinnati. Yeah, the only thing I'll, I'll really add there is is I don't want my offense coordinator gone because they struggled to make this offense work. While well, my offensive coordinator dumb because they did such a fantastic job with Justin Fields that they went and got a head coaching job. That is really the thing that I'll have to say because if your head coach and candidate, if your offensive coordinator gets hired to be a head coach, that means that they got the most out of their offense and they got the most out of their quarterback. And that means that Justin Fields took the step in year two that we're all hoping he's going to take. And that that is the only way that I will accept Luke Getze leaving anytime soon is that he goes and gets a head coaching hit, uh, job. Anyways, guys, we are going to get out of this thing. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully Joe's ready, packed to go for his trip for Texas because he should be back next week, hopefully. I have zero idea. He literally told us today he's going to Texas, and we're like, damn it. Lovely Devil Herf's not joining the show. But make sure you're following myself and Sam on Twitter at ShySportsSam and at Usaid Kosho. Make sure you're following Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night wherever you may be. Stay safe, ladies and gentlemen. Stay warm. Thursday, we'll be back on YouTube. We will have more Bears content for you. I'm lining up some prospect preview interviews as well we've talked to Teron Mallard on this channel a couple others are coming up but stay locked in right here guys it's gonna be a fun off season and as always guys bear down we'll catch y'all next week bear down